Welcome to episode 9 of the All-Time Podcast. Fuck, we're already at 9? Already at 9. We are, at the end of this episode, going to have given you 90 of the best 100 albums, hip-hop albums of all time. Yay. Very Woo-hoo. special episode for us. Yeah, this is big, huh? We've, uh, we've waited for this for a while. I've been very excited for this episode, actually. When we kicked off this podcast this was something i already had in mind to try and do yep we have a guest with us a dear friend of ours mr gabu Ann. hello everybody <laughs> this is this is big i've been i've been meaning to have discussions with you we have some uh, in-depth discussions face to face and finally we can uh, hear your opinion on a bunch of this stuff looking forward to it <laughs> gabu was very triggered by our comments on ilmatic he was uh, <laughs> over the top. <laughs> very, very, very. Um, he hated on us. He didn't hate on us. He, no, just he did, definitely he, hated on us. He was also very. A there was a certain <laughs> album he kept thinking should come back in um, all of the episodes we did so far. When is so, this going to come in? Oh, why don't you talk about this album? All those questions <laughs> were being told to us in text messages. Yeah. So uh, it's great to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> um, we know Gabu for a good little while now. I would say a good, what, six to eight years, maybe? I think we're going on like 10 now, yeah. Yeah, I started working at HMV in 2007, and I say I met you in about 2008, 2009. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a minute, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, well, met, I met you, yeah, after you knew him. Yeah. It's crazy how our friendship became to what it is today because of music. Because of hip hop, well, with me, hip hop, yeah. and the arguments we've had with uh, Wu Tang and me being biased <laughs> with Wu Tang and stuff like that, but it's been a, it's been a great uh, great relationship, and it's really exciting to have you here. Yeah, yeah very excited about that. Um, We're that starting. being said, should we go right into it? Or? Yeah. So two thousands, the the albums uh, that scoped the two thousands. So what are we starting off with, Gabu? You know what? Introduce the first album. All right. The first album we'll talk about is. Eminem's The Marshall Mathers LP. So, this is big. This is it kicks the it really kicks the episode off in a big way. It's crazy how in the two thousands, this album made a huge, huge mark. Especially with like, first of all, what he was saying on the album is just intense. It was yes, uh, I agree. When you when you're looking at hip hop. You're already seeing the gangsterism in hip hop, the jewelry, uh, the violence, mm-hmm. and you steer directly into this man taking it to the next level with violence, uh, not rape, but more of like killing, the killing aspect in an album, the storytelling, but being very gruesome with the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I think for this album, uh, versus his first album when he started on the scene, was very pushed by Dr. Dre. He stepped it up a notch with this album. I think his lyrical ability got better. His changing of his flows, uh, the way he put himself on a beat. And for somebody that loves hip hop like you, you could tell with an album like this and with an MC like this that he really came strong with something. Yeah, definitely. But going back before we talk about the musicality of this album, my thing for Eminem especially is it might sound a little sensitive. But I always thought rap was not for the white folks. <laughs> uh, 
prior to like I'm going to I'm just going to be honest here. I be prior to Eminem, I don't think I've ever listened to any white rappers. Vanilla Ice? It's not any of <laughs> take seriously. No, yeah. definitely. I, I mean, I got into Atmosphere and Brother Ali and all those guys after the fact, right? So, yeah, like prior to all that, we have to talk about the importance of Eminem for bringing bigger demographics, we should say. Well, I always found like Eminem was that kind of artist. We laughed a bit about corn in the last episode, <laughs> but it's kind of part of that. Yes, he was a Dr. Dre artist in a way, but he was kind of doing hip hop for that kind of that weak 90s new metal sound. The Limp Bizkit mm-hmm. fans, the 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 corn fans like that's where I found Eminem got his his starting fan base from mm-hmm. and then later on into other uh, maybe deeper in hip-hop if he wasn't pushed by dr dre yeah i don't think he would be as popular as he was and as successful absolutely not because no. dr dre took him into the commercial yeah the sure. mainstream hip-hop and again when you look at this album he's fucking insane but it was commercially successful People wanted this album. People wanted to hear what he was saying. And as gruesome as it is, and the way he's killing his girlfriend on this, people wanted that. People wanted to hear it. Yes, he was hated by America. Mm -hmm. But he was hated by America, the people that don't listen to hip-hop. So at the same time, he was giving a bad name to hip-hop, but was loved by the hip-hop fans. He brought something different. He kind of brought up that underground into the commercially successful. I see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, let's go through the track listing. Kill You as the second song. <laughs> yeah, like, that song, man. I, I, I don't know what kind of state he was in when he wrote that song. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know what state he was for most of the album. Uh, I remember this album came out, and I remember I went to HMV as a kid, and I was not allowed to buy this album. I managed to get a, my hands on a tape. You have a, you a, a tape, of this? tape of this? Yeah. Where the fuck did that go? Sold. <laughs> Sold. For sure. But yeah, it was very like, I remember being told many times, like, don't repeat what you're going to hear on this. We were young, man. We were what? We I were was, 10 when this came out. We were grade five, grade six. I was 10 when this came out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just walked in and bought it. <laughs> I remember my I was at age it was fine for me <laughs> I remember my dad buying this and I wasn't allowed to listen to it in the house of course not <laughs> I, w- I had to put this on my discman and walk around the block and listen mm. to it and when my dad wasn't home I would play it mm-hmm. or I would listen to it in the morning before I go to school but this really it has a sentimental value to me because this album launched hip hop for me because mm. I was mostly listening to like the singles the Puff Daddies the the Dr. Dre's, like the 2001, like I spoke about in the earlier episodes. But this really dragged me in. This and the D12 album. Do I feel weird saying that? No, absolutely not. But mm. this really made me a hip-hop lover and made me dig more deeply in. And especially into the Dr. Dre catalog because of his production. Mm-hmm. Uh, songs I'm going to highlight on this. After the Real Slim Shady... The album starts getting crazy good, mm. more lyrical, Which more boom bap. That? I find the sound goes into different directions. You know what I mean? You have the mm-hmm. Dr. Dre production, uh, Eminem pro- produces on this album. But as a hip hop fan, the second half of the album really drags you in. I find that the album drags too long. 
even. I'm not a big fan of this album. I understand that when you make a list and when you put it on your back that you're going to make the top 100 hip-hop albums of all time, there's going to have to be an Eminem album. This is something you oh, for were sure. really pushing onto this album, uh, onto this list. Something about this album didn't age well with me. Um, Probably because of the song Kim. No, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, none of the songs really do anything and offend me in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 just something about it, it, it doesn't, it's not an album that comes to get me. I made a list and I remember we spoke about this in the early episodes, the 10 albums that changed my life mm. and this was on it. Mm-hmm. Man, if it wasn't for this album, I don't know if I'd be listening to hip hop, to be really honest with you. It's easy to say this type of album would have changed your life because of where and how young you were when it came out and how when it came out, it wasn't like it was very like you, you like if you listen to this, it's it's it was frowned upon to enjoy this. For sure. And we were so young when it came out, we wanted a taste of it. What were, what were people your age talking about? Like when this came out? The thing about this album is very different for me because I'm kind of older than you guys. Uh, <clears throat> for us, it was more that everybody wanted to be him. Mm. That's, that's <laughs> Everybody wanted to be yep. him, right? Uh, I have seen numerous kids with baggy jeans, white t-shirt with bleached hair, you know? And yeah, it's just, the, the experience for me was very different. Like, if I would take out the sentimental value of the album or nostalgia value of the album, I would not, be listening to this mm-hmm. anymore because I have to agree with Steve that it does drag quite a bit for me at least for after Marshall Mathers like track 11 that's when it gets uh, kind of like uh, really don't care for it anymore fuck you know? I love those <laughs> I love drug ballad bitch please too <laughs> like to, as a hip hop lover when you hear bitch please too produced by Dr. Dre and it brings you that west coast feel to the album so like it's already gruesome and vulgar enough that it brings you to this, but the sound changes in the album. But but the thing is, what I'm trying to get at is that when this album first dropped into the scene, like all that influence or what this might have sounded like, what this rap style is, never crossed my mind. It wasn't something that I was thinking about. Mm. It was more that I'm listening to an Eminem record. And how do I feel about this record? And I have to say, like back then... I would eat up anything that he would produce or come out with, mm. which was perfectly good, like this album, Eminem show, and so on and so forth. But listening to this again, you know, close to before the recording, I have to say it didn't age well, except for a few songs. Like I was very surprised how much I still liked Stan. Oh, no. The storytelling in there was very interesting to me because the word Stan has somehow made itself into our dictionary <laughs> as a word now <laughs> and that's pretty interesting and I, I love the back and forth that he does with himself you know that was interesting <clears throat> and the way i am you know there's one very annoying thing about the song stan what very annoying like production zero <laughs> <laughs> But that's part of... He's trying to paint your picture, though. Imagine having to listen to the whole episode and I'm <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> yeah, but 
the thing is when this the purpose of this song wasn't about rapping it wasn't about how good of a lyricist he was it was about him trying to paint a picture for the and it's well done and it's right? well done yes it's well done yeah. uh and marsha mathers uh, the beats on that is crazy uh, mm. the verses when he talks about before i get into marsha mathers i gotta say though if this song came out this year today <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man, <laughs> because he wor- uses the words that people don't tend to use anymore yeah. a lot in oh, the yeah, album. Well, a lot, yeah. So and that makes, but that makes this album very much a product of its time. Of its time, definitely. And some of the best songs to me are songs like "Who Knew," mm-hmm. where he kind of explains to you, "I didn't know this is what was gonna come of my music. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you were gonna do X, Y, Z because you heard one of my songs." And he's pretty much like, he's, he's very aware that he has an, he, he has way too much influence than he should have on people. Mm-hmm. His message won't change, mm-hmm. but he's very aware in saying that people are going to take everything that I do literally mm-hmm. and none of it is that. He knew it bothered yeah. people. He knew it fucking bothered people and he went next level with it because after this album, he's not the same. I think this album was very important for artists in the mainstream to keep doing what they stood for, to keep pushing their brand, to keep doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Because like you see in the uh, in the Way I Am video, like the Marilyn Manson figure in the yeah. back, there was, a, there was a group of artists that didn't have um, a good rep with medias, with youths, with... And this was just a way of saying like, we do we, we put time in this art like this is a this is a brand this is a figure this is a character we spoke about the letterman interview with kanye last time it's a character yep and i agree he's not that same character anymore right because he aged but fandom Matured. is insane <laughs> yeah and this is something like this is an album that really gets into the to the to the uh, that really well expresses how insane fandom could be yeah Definitely. We're we're making a we're making a crazy podcast on what we think are the 100 best hip hop albums of all time. We're compiling the list. We're doing, and there's people that do this shit. <laughs> we're the least of the problem. <laughs> this, I, at some point, mm. this is the type of album that I wish people from today, kids from today, would listen to, because right now the world is mm, too yes. sensitive. Yes. Everybody's scared to say words. Everybody's scared to have an image or say what's on their mind that I wish this album came out in 2019 because it would wake the fuck up the world and make sure that these kids aren't pussies anymore and aren't scared and aren't... (laughs) But it's true. This album probably made me tougher and not the man I am, but more... Being able to be like, you know what? I'm going to say what's on my mind. And too bad. And, and that's you can take a joke when you need to. Exactly. But and he did that so well on this album because he knew he was fucking with people. He knew he was going to say that and it would get people mad. But, but the thing is, if you actually listen to the album, sure, we get a lot of graphic uh, imaged al- uh, songs from like Kill You, Marsha Mathers, Remember Me, and all that stuff. But at the same time, he's coming off of, coming off kind of 
as a very sensitive person, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, especially in the way he's I am. Insecure, so yeah. He's very insecure. So if you actually take this word, this album, word for word, I don't think kids will, like you say, you know, will be desensitized or whatever. It'll be more that they will be more confused, if anything. Mm-hmm. Because he's saying one thing in one song, like, oh, I'm going to do this to blah, 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 blah. And the other song, he's like, just leave me alone. I just want to be left alone. Like, I'm just doing my thing. Mm. Like, don't, you know, bother me or whatever, right? So I think it'll send more of a mixed message than anything. If if I would have listened to it now at the age of like 13 or 14 or 15, right? Man, so, we were ten. <laughs> we were. I don't. I don't think I listened to this for the content at ten years old. I listened to it because he said the word "fuck." Yes, that's very true too. It's a different way of hearing it mm-hmm. now than when I was a kid. This put hip hop on the map in a different way. Oh, it definitely did. I'm not disagreeing with you on that mm. point. It's just, I don't think this album is as vulgar or offensive as we put it out to be. That's what I'm trying to say more than anything. Right. There's a lot of other artists that talk the same talk he does. Mm-hmm. And because it's not mainstream and it's so underground yeah, it gets mm-hmm. and people don't give a fuck about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just saying this based off of on how he chose to place certain tracks after a certain track. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because he just kind of flip-flops a lot between his ideas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. That For was the sure. point that I was trying to get at. This album should come out now. <laughs> I mean, it'll be much better than the second one. I'm, de- I'm definitely going to make my son listen to this album at, at some point in his life. With that being said... Uh, with that being said... It's past 10 years, though. <laughs> a nice album by a nice man, Eminem. And the next album goes to... Next album on the list for the last time. The last time... On the top 100 list. <laughs> you didn't like that we did this. Okay. The fourth album of too this... Too much. Too much, man. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> the fourth album from this fantastic, so diverse group. And I'm going to say it. Outcast For the fourth time. Stankonia. I'm going to take the lead on this one because in our duos episode... No, in our... When we spoke about AT Aliens... I expressed AT Aliens being my least favorite of the good Outcast albums. Going back and listening to Stankonia, very moody album, very stretched out album. I think it's like 24 tracks. Fucking. Maybe this one's my least favorite this time around of this, the good albums. This was always my least favorite out of those albums. For a long time, this was my favorite. I loved Aquemini, and I knew how great Aquemini was. And when I would listen to Stankonia, I, I, I did used to really, I, and I still do very much love this album, but I didn't want to be of the popular opinion that Aquemini was the best album. So I would say Stankonia was my favorite. And in doing this list, Aquemini is their best album. It's, it's, it's not even a race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but nonetheless, a fantastic record. Uh, also from the year 2000, very different from the subject matter going on in Marshall Mathers, and also a very commercial album. Their first probably big commercial album. Absolutely. Because Aquem and I had those commercially successful, but this one, their sound changed again. I think every single off this record, whenever it was released, was all over the place. Yeah. 
So for the Heya and Roses that came later, mm -hmm. this was what allowed them to have that bigger platform. But I just want to bring this point again. I forgot which one of you said it. Outcast does not so sound like a South Southern rapper for me. Like I was. Doesn't sound like a ra Southern rap group for you. Yeah, because I was listening to this album, uh, mm -hmm. and like I had to keep on reminding myself that oh, they're from the Southern part of America. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I have to be honest with you, <clears throat> I was never a fan of Outkast. What? Never been that big of a fan. Uh, I got the exposure of Outkast through this album, which mm -hmm. was for Miss Jackson. Then I just went back afterwards, and I have to disagree with you. My favorite albums, uh, album by Outkast is Atelians. <laughs> <laughs> because that's fine that's fine it was mine for a very long time but yeah like i really don't have much to say on this album because for me it didn't do anything for me i don't know what kind of story they were trying to convey i don't know what the purpose of this album was although the one song that i really enjoyed listening to recently was we love them hoes i think <laughs> that one was really fun to listen to <laughs> there's a lot of very good deep cuts on this album and yep. we spoke about on AT Aliens, I found that apart from the singles, there wasn't much depth to the album. There weren't the tracks that I would go back to that weren't hits. This album, I feel, has the best non-single tracks by Outkast. I could name Spaghetti Junction. I could name Gasoline Dreams, Jesus the album Christ. opener. I could name um, We Love These Hoes. It is a great track. Humble Mumble is great. Red Velvet is incredible. Gangsta Shit. Gangsta Shit's great. Um, and the closing track, which is Outcast's version of Maggot Brain by Funkadelic to me, this is like the closer to a hip-hop album, is uh, Stankler. Slum that Beautiful. A, that was a good closer to the album. It's incredible. Slum Beautiful. That's my... That's my go-to track. Mm -hmm. If When I... We talked about how they grew throughout their albums. Mm -hmm. This album being one of their biggest grower because of the beats that changed, because yeah. of the, the way they produced their albums changed, because of... Do you remember what I said? When we spoke about another Outcast album, I forget, it may have been during Aliens again. I said that this is the first time that we listened to a hip-hop album this way. Yep. The changes, the, the structure, the song structures, the, 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 the interludes... And I said that the next time you hear an album with this type of structure in hip-hop is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, 10 years later. Yeah. Mm. Just the way it's built. I gotta say, though, like, when I was listening to it this time around, it did flow really well. Yeah. Like, almost to a point where I felt lost in the album. Not in the definition of, oh, I don't know what the hell I'm listening to. It's more that everything was connected so well. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that a lot. Yeah. And... Andre, and for sure Big Boy does the same. He, he, he does different patterns in his flow. But Andre singing more and yeah. finding his voice mm -hmm. more on this album, to me, just makes him top five MCs all time. Because he could do things like that. Mm. And he, he stretches it. He did it with Equemini, but he stretches it to the next level on this album. When an MC could do something like that, and when you could play with different beats, because these beats, I would let's be honest with each other, I don't think any other MC could really attack mm -hmm. mm. these beats. These beats are fucking 
out of the world type. Oh yeah, yeah. The, mm-hmm. Even well, to this snapping day, and trapping. Even to this day, like they're singles, so fresh, so clean. Mm. Miss Jackson, Bob. It's type of beats that you wouldn't really expect to hear mm-hmm. on the rap record. And right? that's and, and and that's why this album and it and they made it work. They did it so well. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm not, you know, disagreeing with that. It's just there's something about. It's just I can't relate to this album whatsoever. I like I don't think the album is fun in a sense of mm. like being fun. I don't think it's a serious album, nor I don't think it's trying to have some sort of a message. So I couldn't connect. I can't connect to Outkast in that regard because when I listen to music, I need something more than mm-hmm. what comes through those headphones or the speakers. I need more and. They just don't do it for me. <laughs> Crazy. I'm, I'm surprised. Look, I think it's cool to hear because you're one of yeah. the few that I would hear saying that and and, and being able to validate it because I wouldn't... Uh, I but, don't know many people that would say that. But when you when you start with Outkast, you can't go to this album. You cannot start with Stankonia as your first Outkast experience. Really. I think Stankonia would be a great place to start. Oh, fuck, really? Because of its commercial oh. appeal. And the beats itself is so interesting. Would you go backwards after? Uh, definitely. That's how I started with Outcast. Okay. And then you'd leave the later stuff for the end. Yes. Because Speakerbox Love Below is a solo album each. I, I have to say, I still haven't listened to that album in full yet. <laughs> I think that album is very, it, like the Love Below part, the Andre album is fantastic. Big Boy's album is very good. But Big Boy proved to have um, a better... Well, he had better albums that followed. Mm-hmm. Very important to point out on this album because we spoke about this a lot. The instrumentation is still very, um, very much there for Outcast, which was a feature or or something that a, a staple of organized noises production. Not much organized noise production on this. No, there was a switch on this Earth Tone Three, which was Outcast themselves producing with Mister DJ. Um. Could that be what hurt them? Well, what hurt them? I'm not saying this album is bad. I still think this has very much its place on this list. And who knows, in a week, it might be my favorite again by them. But could this be maybe why why this album versus the organized noise type of production didn't come get you? It's more out there. They want it to be different again mm. on this album. They wanted to go more, let's do a different sound. And this sound wasn't being done in hip hop to me. No, it, was, it certainly no, wasn't. It, wasn't. No, it was not. Definitely not. No, it was very, very new. Well, we've always said everything they did was pretty much yeah. new at the, at the time that they did it. Mm-hmm. it. It's a lengthy album. It's a very lengthy album. Each song sounds different as well. Mm-hmm. And to me, they could do this. Mm-hmm. They could make an album like this. Mm-hmm. And it still sounds so great. Very moody. I'm going to end it at that. Stankonia is very moody. Before we end Stankonia, we got to talk about this. It's very important. The DJ Khaled (laughs) sample. (laughs) Miss Jackson. On what? Uh, In DJ Khaled's new album, he has a single with SZA. Oh, yeah. He samples Miss Jackson. Yeah. Talk about this. (laughs) I didn't didn't listen to it. I'm just joking. It was terrible. Let's (laughs) just move on. (laughs) Next album on the list. 
Dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> for the third time on the all-time podcast for the third time this album was pretty much the point of no return in in terms of striking greatness before this there were great albums but this was like like now it's only there's only one way to go which is up mm-hmm Agree? I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I get it. This album was released. It's a New York artist that released it on September 11th, 2001. And still managed to sell almost 500,000 copies in the first week in the U.S. After the tragedy in, in New York on September 11th. Yep. So that means that planes flew into buildings and people still decided to go out and buy this album this week while the country is in shambles is is in fear is in probably one of the worst things this is an album people turn to oh yeah (laughs) which album is it jay-z the blueprint (laughs) (laughs) um fuck do you know where to start i don't um, I, can I can start this okay, off. Let's, I let's, can start this off. Let's go. I never liked Jay Z. I I <laughs> I'll start off. I always thought his rapping was weird, but you gotta pay attention though. It's all in past tense. <laughs> I always thought his rapping was boring, and I always I was Tim Nas. Right? You had to choose. It's like, it's like who loves who. Who do you love better, your mom or your dad? <laughs> I, but I agree with you with the team Nas. Yeah. I, yeah, so especially I, at this point. Yeah, for me, at that point in my life, I was team Nas. So anything Jay-Z puts out, I had to hate it. It's I a agree. strong word. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, but but I was still but, young. But say you what, know, say, I'm very impressionable. <laughs> say what you right before you continue, yeah. say what you it took me the longest, longest time. To fucking appreciate this album because of the beef he had with Mob Deep mm. and the beef he had with Nas. Mm-hmm. More with Mob Deep. For More you. with Mob Deep for me because you know how much I nut hug Mob Deep's music. <laughs> but I would not want to listen to this because I knew he dissed them on this album. And at some point, I was listening to this album but skipping over Takeover. I would skip over Takeover or feel weird listening to Takeover mm-hmm. because he was dissing them pretty badly. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting that you say that and you said the Nas point because I still to this day will say that some mo- or most of Nas's catalog is overrated. Illmatic in that cat- in, in, in the overrated section again. <laughs> and in the duos, like I told you that Mob Deep took a minute for me to warm up to. Yeah. Because of this. Because this is where my this was my team. The funny thing is, for takeover, like you say, you skipped over because of whatever reason. For me, it was different. Like I would skip over most of the songs in the album, but I would always listen to takeover, and somehow hypnotize myself, saying, "This is an inferior diss record." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, this the rapping is weird. He's never rapping properly. He mm-hmm. sounds lazy." But I got to say, though, man, I listened to this last week in preparation for this episode. Damn, that Takeover track. <laughs> that fucking Takeover song is so well done. Because he doesn't, he doesn't change his flow or his tempo. His voice doesn't change. He's, 
he basically just fucking gives it to you straight. Yeah. And it sounds so well. Yes, when you listen to a diss track, you want to say the worst things about the other human being, but he doesn't. He just tells you that he's a better MC and all the work you've done does not compare to him. For me, it's the things that was unsaid that I thought that this was stronger, mm. in my opinion, to Ether, which is when you listen to Ether, Nas is very animated. Yeah, He's like, oh, I gave you a style, blah, blah, blah. Like he, He's very animated. But when Jay-Z is dissing Nas in TakeOver, he's very calm. It's almost a dad telling his son to just chill out. Yep. Yeah. And like the things that he didn't say, I thought was harder. <laughs> I could agree with that. But I think a lot of it is, is um, their, their musical careers speak for what you just said. Mm -hmm. Because the Nas records, as we said... Pastelmatic, there's not really another great one until you hit about God's Son. People would argue on it was written. But Jay-Z had Reasonable Doubt. He had Volume 2. Mm -hmm. Volume 3 was a hit. I also thought Volume 1 was underrated. Like I said, I was super biased too mm. because I was Tim Nas, but now I have aged. I know music better than I was that, that I did back then. Catalog-wise, Nas has two good albums. Oh, Char, I want to know what you think there. Illmatic and God's Son. Yeah, okay, so we're on the same yeah, page. Yeah, that's the only good albums they have. Jay-Z, I wouldn't admit to this 10 years or 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now I'll say it. Jay-Z, minus maybe three, four albums, has been mostly very solid albums. Yep. Like his last record, 444, I thought was amazing. Yeah. To this day, he's very relevant. Mm -hmm. He's relevant with the times, with the albums too. Yes, definitely. Goes, yeah. But going back to the blueprint, uh, man, I, I gotta say the when I listened to it last week, I think it was my first time listening to it in full. Jesus oh, really? Christ! Ever now, may, I might have before, but I just don't remember when. Mm -hmm. And man, this album is solid as fuck. <laughs> we gotta uh, we gotta highlight that this is the first I think main. I mean, there's no way to get around this album without saying it, that this is. When you hear about Kanye producing for Jay Z, mm -hmm. this is where it starts. Mm -hmm. Look at all those songs. Takeover is uh, is um, Kanye. Izzo is Kanye. Heart of the City is Kanye. Never changes Kanye. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, it's is it? It's the first time you hear his voice. Also, it's the first time you hear his yeah. voice on the Never Change. Yeah, and there's a very very cool. Um, thing i picked up on listening to this when you listen to this record the samples on the kanye beats are coming from vinyl mm -hmm. but you hear the usage of the records he's sampling from you hear that these are used records there's a lot of hiss off the vinyl there's a lot yeah. of dirt it it, it you it's could tell used. that yeah and, and I find that's great because when you listen to Kanye now talk about his beginnings, we're so used to knowing Kanye as this kind of monster God. in hip hop <laughs> that, that pretty much, I mean, you know, he has hip hop in his hands, mm -hmm. could do whatever he wants, has access to anything he wants. And when you hear these beats, they sound like the beats made by a guy in his bedroom with records he bought used. Man. That's crazy. It huh? tells us. It tells a story. 
Don't forget that. Just look at the Just Blaze production. Yeah. Girls, girls, girls. My favorite song off the album. <laughs> Get some vocals from Q-Tip, Bismarcky, and uh, Slick Rick on that. Yep. The Ruler's Back. We're not talking about Just Blaze now, but right. The Ruler's Back where he channels Slick Rick. Yep. Yep. Man. To me, that he's able to do that mm -hmm. and get the props from these guys is fucking crazy to me. And you, when you hear it, it doesn't even sound like he's channeling them. It sounds like his own product, but he makes it into his own product, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Getting back to Just Blaze, You Don't Know, which is probably my top five Jay-Z songs all time. Solid, yeah. And Song Cry. Do you see how Just Blaze's production doesn't sound the same? It doesn't even sound like it's Just Blaze. It sounds like a totally different producer throughout those three songs I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then we're going to get into Renegade featuring Eminem. Can I ask you guys who you think had the better verse on that song? Jay-Z or Eminem? If Jay-Z said Eminem had the better verse, Eminem had the better verse, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 really? I enjoyed Jay-Z's verse hmm. better. Okay. Um, it's the cadence in that verse that really was interesting to me. Because if you listen to the beat of Renegade, it was tailored for it to sound good with Eminem's lyrics and his voice. You know, it was supposed to be a Royce to 5'9 song before. Oh, yeah? Oh. Yeah, it was a beat uh, for Royce to 5'9's album. And it went to Jay-Z and then mm. Eminem rapped on it. Some, something okay. like that. But it was supposed to be a Royce to 5'9 okay. beat. There's a question that Jay-Z asks people. And this is an, another thing that I really love because I feel like these are a lot of the fans that still listen to Jay-Z today. But we, st we spoke about it, about Game and, um, and, uh, and Lil Wayne and artists like that. Do you fools listen to music or do you just skim through it? Because people were calling him out for being too much about bling and money. And Do you listen to the music or is it just in one ear out the but other? That, but that's... He, he pointed that out because of People were looking at hip-hop that way. And it's too bad that a lot of the people that still listen to hip-hop will never know this album. No, full. because they just skim through music and they want the same shit over and over and over and again. It makes no sense. This album, look at the hits. Izzo. What else? Hola Ho Vito. Great track. Man, even the... Even the Timbaland production there. Yes. So you get some of that pop feel... There's, it's more of a rounded song that mm -hmm. has transitions and stuff. These songs were radio friendly, mm -hmm. commercially successful. Izzo was everywhere. The album was just enormous. But look at the first, look at the, the this is the thing with the 2000s decade that we're talking about. The first three albums that we spoke about, Marshall Mathers, Stankonia, and Blueprint. This was like a, this 90s was known as the, the, um, the golden age for hip hop? Golden era, yeah. The golden era. But man, look at look at just the first five albums that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. These yeah. these albums, this is when the singles started banging everywhere. You roll down your windows and you bang the singles. This is it started yeah. in the two thousands. Two thousands was a weird decade, right? Um because of albums like Marshall Mathers LP. And uh, what else? Uh, Outcasts like Love Below and stuff like that. You had to do something extra special mm. for you to be recognized. 
Doesn't mean that there wasn't great albums. I think 2000s, like most of my favorite albums are from 2000s. Mm-hmm. Like it was a great decade for music, but you had to have you had to have that little extra in order for you to get the recognition that So on that deserve. note, on that note, very good point because this was a, the next album on the list was an artist that had that extra but I never saw it. First, I'm going to say what the name of the album is. 50 Cent, Get Richer Die Trying. For a guy from New York to channel the West Coast sound and bring it to you to New York, that wasn't being done. But why? That, see, that's... Because, because New York artists, not that they were scared of, mm-hmm. but they just, they were too into their zone. New York hip-hop artists were too into their zone. And you know what? But I don't think that's what channeled the South was too into their zone. The West Coast was too into their zone. The 2000s and guys like 50 Cent, and we spoke about the game too, mm-hmm. these guys went elsewhere to find but, their But beats. that is those factoids that you have to do in order, you had to uh, investigate or read about to know because I feel like in the 2000 decade, it was very easy for east coast quote-unquote to jump to west coast quote-unquote sound and rap and it wouldn't have made much difference i don't i think the sound difference from the west to east was so apparent in 90s in the 2000s it was really hard for me to tell i agree with that like people say dr dre's from west i get it but if you didn't know that beforehand Mm -hmm. that he was a man who was responsible for g-funk california love all those things prior I don't think you would have really knew if it was West Coast. It's a very good point that he brings up because in the West Coast episode, at the as we were talking about 2001, I said this doesn't sound like necessarily a West Coast album and it didn't impact the sounds of albums to come because people were... Production was becoming more uh, elaborate. People were touching on different things freely. Mm-hmm. It was less about who sounds like this from here, who sounds like this from here. If because, you think of it. Yeah, so for me, in the 2000s, instead of East and West, it mm-hmm. was more Kanye's beats to Dr. Dre's beats. I would say in the 2000s, in the 90s, you had East versus West. Mm-hmm. In, the, in the 2000s, you had Commercial Produce. versus Underground. Yeah. That's where that That's started. That's a very good point. Yeah, for yes. sure. And for 50 Cent, coming from the Underground, because mm-hmm. he wasn't known. He yeah. was known, but he wasn't known. Mm-hmm. And then he gets pushed by Dr. Dre and Eminem and gets that production value. See, that's another thing. Being pushed by them gave him that West, right? Yeah, yeah but the sound the sound as well. When I'm listening to this 50 Cent album, let's say I had no idea about hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I had no idea about Dr. Dre, Eminem, all these people, and I would put on this 50 Cent album, I would have no idea where this sound comes from. But because he touches... So many different sounds. He touches that New York sound. He touches that West Coast sound. At some point, there's a Southern type beat on here. P-I-M-P, the subject matters. He's going Southern. He's going so many different but, places. But let me ask you a question, though. I understand there were a lot of influence in this album. I get it. But when you talk about this album, do you credit... 50 Cent or do you credit Dr. Dre and Eminem? I'm going to credit 50 Cent. Why am I going to credit 50 Cent? Because of his style of rapping. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest with each other. He took the mace 
flow mm-hmm. and perfected it and put better rhymes over the mix. He did flow. have good bars. He did have good bars. Yeah, I sing bars. I feel this. like any rapper could mm-hmm. have rapped on this beat and have had the same success that it did. Here's one thing that I find about the 50 bars is they're very deep. He he's 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 definitely a student of hip hop. He mm-hmm. knows his stuff. But when you work with Eminem and work with Eminem so closely, you have an incredible co-writer with you, mm-hmm. assuming that Eminem contributed to the structure of these mm-hmm. verses. What? That helps you a lot. But let me let me point something out to you. I would say about three, maybe four, if not five tracks from this were recorded before he got with Dr. Dre and Eminem. I believe that. Before. I can't tell you which ones. Probably that Ja Rule diss track song. There is a bunch of songs that were recorded before. So to me, for a guy to do that and still have that grimy feel to him, that that those New York bars... Mm -hmm. And just, just production value going up makes this album a classic to what it is. And at the time where you had your Jay-Z's, you had your M&M's, and then you have your 50 Cent, it's like putting those two together. Like I'm not taking away anything away from what this album contributed in terms of hip-hop in 2000s. It definitely cemented its legacy. Mm-hmm. I will not disagree with that. But I just don't think 50 Cent deserves the credit that I hear from people. Because I think it has a lot more to do with the fact that Dr. Dre and Eminem has produced this record than 50 Cent bringing something new to the table. But That's what I'm trying to say. There's also other production on this album. Mm-hmm. It's not just those two. You yeah, get, definitely. You get, you get, Mr. Porter. You get Rock Wilder. Those are really good producers. But the thing is, when this album came out in the beginning of two thousands, the impact that Dr. Dre it's and true, Eminem yeah. had, yes. it was undeniable. And it's very it, another thing that is, when this album came out, it was pushed as an artist of Eminem's. We were so often reminded of that. Mm-hmm. Isn't the first like music video that? Yeah. Like that they bring see, him back to life. You see Dr. Dre and Eminem before you see 50 Cent. <laughs> like they, they, like there was no denying that this was their product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's, that's fine. To me, that's fine because you get so many other artists like Eminem and Dr. Dre mm-hmm. of Dr. Dre's product being Eminem. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But if, if you don't have the quality of music to back that up, you're then right. you shouldn't be in a list. You're, you're very right. How about this? I want to ask you a question because we discussed Dr. Dre in previous episodes and his um, efforts in uh, showcasing the artists he discovers. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg, On the Chronic, uh, The Dog Pound as well. Eminem comes up on 2001. Kendrick comes up with Recently, between Section 80, Dr. Dre kind of got on board and started mm-hmm. pushing him for a good kid. And we keep on naming Anderson Pack as his most recent um, artist that he pushes into the spotlight. This was a flop, if you look at it, up against the other names. Because this was, this was, this album was their product. 
they held him by the hand. They let him go. They said, "Go, do do you, G Unit." Everything it, it takes off. Game puts out an album. Game is now kind of associated and and branded as Fifty Cent's artist. Mm-hmm. G Unit becomes a thing, and nothing ever matches this again. No, for sure. I I'm gonna agree with you on that. But this album impacted the 2000s because it was club friendly, yeah, radio, yeah. radio friendly, yeah. street friendly because you got so so much street anthems on mm-hmm. this album. And again, when I say club, the 90s didn't have the club feel. Right. 50 Cent yeah. really went out there and I would say... Well, In maybe The Club was the song that... In The Club, you had What Up Gangsta. Wangsta, P- the bonus track. P-I-M-P. If I Can't... These songs were being played in the clubs like crazy. And then you had your 21 Questions mm-hmm. yeah. that was played on the radio. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that this album was, and still is, one of the staples of the 2000s. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I just want to better understand why 50 Cent, as a rapper, is regarded so high. That's what I'm trying to understand. No, I, I, I get because that. Because as a rapper and as a lyricist, I don't see anything interesting for me to say that 50 is in my top whatever list, ever. I get that. But look at this album how big of an impact it had, okay? Look at what it did. No, Look but, at the but, sound but versus... Let's say, but, but let's say it's Get Rich or Die Trying by a different artist. You don't think that would have worked? No. I don't think it would have worked. Okay, that's interesting. Because be- I feel like any rapper could have rapped on these beats and have had the same success this album had. No, because if those rappers didn't have the same background that 50 Cent comes with, getting shot nine times... But it doesn't matter... Getting pushed by these. But beat is a beat at the end of the day. It depends on what kind of lyrical content you want to put in. And we and we don't find that Fifty Cent had that lyrical content. I think album. he did. I think he did. I, I think, think I think did. he delivered on it. But like I said, working closely with Eminem, <laughs> yeah. this there, there's definitely contribution coming from other people mm-hmm. because this type of uh, this type of verse from Fifty Cent never really comes back again later. No, and he ran. I would say a good three years, mm. maybe four of the 2000s, 2003, 2004, 2005, because his product was pushed, because he pushed his artist. He ran, he ran the 2000s. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't hot, disagree. And you know, it, it sucks to say, but you <clears throat> can't come out with a sophomore album being better than this. It's hard. It's really, really hard. It's definitely a challenge, but I think better artists would have managed Better artists would have managed. I'm saying that this product yeah. is what it is and is as good as it is. And it will always be that staple for the 2000s and in hip-hop for me. The sound, man. I was I was in high school listening to hardcore and metal. And I was listening to this in G-Unit. Yeah, I, definitely. Like, when you guys sent me the list of the albums that we're talking about today, I saw 50 Cent on the list. I didn't go like, ah. Uh, I was like, makes sense. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. One bit. There isn't a second in this album where I'm like, wow, that was a good moment in the album. I think the album is just terrible. Hmm. But 
it made sense for this album to be talked about in the 2000s decade. This was, this to me was the blueprint to you, because yeah. I had never listened to this in full. Never in high school. I could Shit. give it. I I didn't care for it. I mean, again, listening to what I listened to in high school, like you said, you were listening to hardcore and metal in high school, and you were listening to this. I was listening to instrument-based music as well, and this is why we thought people were listening to trash was because of this record. But just right there it gives you an idea. To be able to convince people that this is trash music, already there, that's an impact in and of itself. Mm-hmm. That people were against hip-hop, people hated hip-hop in the state of music because of this album. That's crazy. To me, that's crazy. Yeah. To end the conversation about 50 Cent Get Richard I Trying, this is an album that I push onto people that only listen to now's music. Because it's the easiest listen. That that is a good yes. Because it has a diverse of club, street, commercial. It has all that diverse. Mm-hmm. That I would that I, I agree. Hundred percent agree with you on that. I think every point that you've brought up, I completely agree. My thing is, like I said before, other artists could have sounded as good, if not better, on the same beats. That's what I'm trying to say. I just wanted to throw that out into the universe. <laughs> That's no. it. <laughs> and we look at MCs differently and we have different ears for different sounds. And mm-hmm. I'm not against you on that. I understand where you're I mean, coming. That's the beauty of music, right? We can all talk about it. We can all disagree and agree. You know, you can disagree to agree, agree to disagree. That's the beauty. agree to agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if the next album on the list we're going to agree on. After the break. We'll be back. We are back with the second half of the list. Well, the last six of the 10 albums we put together for the 2000s episode. How do you feel doing it? It's a lot of fun, man. I was a little nervous in the beginning, but I think I got my stride. Yeah, you're golden. (laughs) I think you're doing a great job. We started with the Marshall Mathers LP. Next was Outkast Tanconia, both albums from the year 2000. Third on the list was Jay-Z's The Blueprint in 01. And fourth was 50 Cent's Get Richard I Trying in 03? 2003. 2003, yeah. Next album on the list is from 2004. Changing pretty much, a, uh, yeah. Changing of the Guards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a game changer in the in the production and the image of hip-hop a bit, yep. I'd say. Image, uh, lyrics too. All that stuff all combined into one, man. It just... It took it took the two thousands. It took hip hop to a different level. It is the college dropout by Kanye West. Um, once again, heard his production on the Blueprint. This is his debut album mm-hmm. where he gets to do it entirely his way. Signed to the Rockefeller Records, of course. Got his Rockefeller chain um, on stage. Yeah, mm. yeah. Every track. Except for the I'll Fly Away um, interlude, was produced by Kanye West and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, where do we start with this? Uh, it's it, it's kind of difficult to see where we can start with this because it's just a masterpiece in itself. To me, this is a solid ten on ten as an album. You didn't hear this sound. You didn't hear an MC like this 
in hip hop. It changed the game to the point where what are we doing? How are we making beats? How are we rapping? Why are we rapping? What's our subject matter? How do we dress? All that stuff changed when Kanye came to hip hop, when Kanye dropped this album. To me, the 2000s had its gangster era, it had its Jay-Z, it had its club bangers, it has its commercial success, and then it has Kanye West. Heavily, this album has a lot of skits. For the 2000s, skits were kind of going yeah. left. They were taking away the skits, and then Kanye West brought them back. That's why his body of work is so complete on this album. The Can skits, carry, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like a, it's like watching a movie. It's like watching a movie in itself. It's mm -hmm. like opening up your TV. I'm going to watch the Kanye West college dropout movie. I'm going to learn about who Kanye West is. Yeah, and that's, that's what he does on this. There's no other way around it. The sampling, heavy. Mm -hmm. he, took, he, he took a lot of his inspirations, who he listened to as MCs, who he listened to as producers, and put it in his way possible. Yeah, and a lot of the MCs he liked, he actually got for the album. Most Def, Twista, also being from Chicago. Uh, Jay-Z's on it. Jamie Foxx, Ludacris, Freeway. Talib and Common. Did we say Common? We said Common. When I listen to this album, this is when you start hearing hip-hop very choir-friendly. Like very... Ooh, I would disagree with that. Very loud... Bright lights. That's one track I think that did that first though. Who? We're going back to the second album that we spoke about, B.O.B. on yeah. Stankonia. With choirs? That that the outro is. Oh. Yes, for sure. I, I get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. I love this album. Mm -hmm. I think this is this is still an album I listen to, and I can't believe it came out 15 years ago. That's true. Like, yeah. By all definition, this is timeless classic. Mm -hmm. Look at Through the Wire. Yep. It changes the album totally into a different a different way, and it shows you the struggles he had to go through. Well, it's right at the end, too, right? With the wired jaw. Yeah. yeah. So, it's like, he kind of tells you the story of Kanye. Like you said, you put it on, you get his movie, and then at the end, like, there's this severe accident that almost mm -hmm. kills him. That, I mean... Again, is is pretty much like where the conclusion of the album kind of starts is on through the wire. The last yeah. three tracks being, then family business and last call. Um, I love through the wire because I always found he had this. I mean, of course, because the wire, the jaws mm -hmm. messed up, but I always felt like it was a Snoop song. Oh, oh fuck! Really? You never heard that? No. Listen to it again. I, I play it I, now. I, I but hear it. I hear it. Yeah, it I sounds like, it, yeah. and he's kind of doing it on purpose because he's doing mm -hmm. that kind of. He he's using the the snoopisms. Mm -hmm. Somebody ordered champagne. I just sipped the scissor. He's using snoopisms, almost self aware that he's sounding like him. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how in the two thousands these MCs channel their favorite MCs, mm -hmm. or MCs that they listened to growing up. Mm -hmm. How much fun did he have making this album? Let, let's look at that point. I would in, assume a lot. In making a hip-hop album. Let's look at the point where he went to get his favorite MCs. His favorite MC, Jay-Z. He mentioned it so many times mm -hmm. in the 2000s that Jay-Z was his big brother, his favorite MC. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
He gets Talib Kweli in common. Most deaf. All these guys are like in his category, that category of hip hop. Mm-hmm. And he went to go get them and made this album what it is. Yep. But the thing is, like, even like in a lot of different like TV interviews by like Jamie Foxx or whatever, they talk about Kanye and how he was everywhere mm-hmm. at that time. He was trying to, he had a picture, he had a vision in his head on what his album wanted to sound like. Did you ever hear the, uh, the story that uh, Chappelle tells? Yeah. About the, the studio. On the Black Album. Mm-hmm. When, because the Black Album came out in 03. So Kanye was a known, and I think he was in a room with Kwali and, and Chappelle, and he was still a very timid guy. Mm-hmm. And they were playing through tracks of the, of the Black Album. And there's a track where Jay says, Kanye Genius, we did it again. And he stops everyone and has them play it again. From being like a timid guy, he he kind of just got up and said, "You heard that? Yeah. Like play, like he had confidence day one. If you have, if you've never seen, it, I think that was on Fallon too that he said yeah. that, that he gives that interview yeah. talking about it. Like go hear it. It's it's pretty amusing. Yeah, and, and it gives you a good background that this again the character we spoke mm-hmm. about for the Letterman interview um, is very much a character. But the confidence was always there. Mm-hmm. He was never defeated. Yep. Production-wise, he was, you hear it, right? You yeah. hear it when you listen to his albums. You mm-hmm. hear it. You hear his confidence. You hear the work that he had to put in. And that's the interesting part about the college dropout for me. You know, like, yes, I do. When I do listen to this uh, album, I see it as a movie, but more as like a biopic, right? Like, this is his life. You know, I dropped out of school. I made him, I started making music. I tried to get into the door. I somehow did it. And yeah, like, man, like this album. He's a nerd too on this album. He's like, yeah, for sure. He's a nerd MC that just wants to get out there and for people to hear him because he has a yeah. voice and he has a sound that he wants to bring forth to everybody. Mm-hmm. He put his blood, sweat, and tears in his music. And as much as, there's bullshit with him now. You could tell that this guy was an artist mm-hmm. and he had oh, more yeah. things to come. There was a lot more out of the Kanye West and you could tell with his production value for other artists. Man, he went on producing for Dipset. He went on producing for Freeway, Beanie Siegel, a bunch of the Rockefeller everywhere. camp. Yeah, everywhere. He's pretty much responsible for, for Pusha T's new career as yeah. a solo artist. It's crazy. I tried with Nas, but eh. <laughs> yeah, it was a little weak. Um, I think we said a lot of good. I mean, like we were saying in a couple of the episodes, there are some albums that are just great albums, and there's not much else you yeah, can say yeah. about them. But a good thing that maybe we could touch on very briefly is the second album because it's not on our list, mm-hmm. late registration, and with time, it's one of my least favorite. And a lot of people would say that this is a, a good body of work of his. It's a great body of work of his. The Kanye catalog is hard to kind of rank mm-hmm. because it is a moody catalog. Mm-hmm. And even what you'll rank pretty low is pretty because high. Because you're forced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So late registration, <clears throat> I would probably give it an 8.59 on 10. Mm-hmm. But I would not put it above any of the other albums afterwards. Because, you see, that is the riddle that I solved just mm-hmm. recently. I remember like I was texting you at one point a couple months ago that I was listening to the whole Kanye catalog. Because I think Ye was dropping or it just dropped and it just made me want to listen to all of his catalog. And I remember texting you 
the late registration like sparked me anew mm-hmm. because it was always my least favorite there wasn't a single song or section of the album where i was like that was great okay. i mean it's great but it was somewhat subpar compared to his other yeah material right yeah. but i finally figured it out i feel that late registration is an extension of the college trap album. oh for sure yeah. oh man yeah, yeah of course for real yeah it sounds so like if you would have put that out in two double albums it makes total sense it makes total yeah, sense yeah, yeah. i never saw that before so so late registration was the first album of his that i heard mm-hmm. that i was put onto but having gone back to the college dropout shortly after getting into late registration after release mm-hmm. i didn't feel like there was ever a period where that was a superior album as people would say mm-hmm. yes he cleaned house at the grammys and it put him really pretty much on the map but what i didn't like about late registration once again being the extension of college dropout mm-hmm. I don't want to do this because now we're going to end up doing the whole career. But when album three comes out, Graduation was supposed to be good-ass job, the conclusion to the trilogy, mm-hmm. it's abandoned. Yes. So the skits are gone. Mm-hmm. And Late Registration is now this kind of album that lies in limbo between uh, a solid body of work that tells a story yeah. and arguably his best pop album. Mm-hmm. Like commercially too, like I don't know if you guys re- uh, because when late registration dropped, mm-hmm. uh, the movie Ray was just dropped. Yep, and Jamie Fox was on fire at that point. Well, and when yeah. Gold Digger came out, man, you could not avoid that song. It was like Gangnam Style of fucking two thousands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, even, but also Jesus Walks. On yeah, on uh, definitely. On, I remember definitely. watching that video on. Much music, music plus. Yes, but Jesus uh, Walk is very moody. Gold Digger is fun. It's fun, and it very was true, yeah. everywhere. Well, not only just Gold Digger, but uh, Touch the Sky with Lupe was everywhere, and the song with Adam Levine, heard him say, was yeah, everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Like, like le- late, late registration, registration was everywhere. Like, commercially speaking, mm. you, man, it was as hot as it could have been at that point, at all, that time. All Falls Down was big, heavy in it rotation. Was big, but it was still like that kind of... BT MTV like the music the other ones really mm-hmm. went to radio Co- yeah commercially yeah. Yeah. successful like sure. you could go to any place on earth mm-hmm. and they would know what Gold Digger song was like it was that big that album was huge right yeah but col- because it's an extension I find to co- the college dropout and college dropout being a somewhat superior to that it just didn't have much appeal for me but like Steve said, when you're ranking Kanye's body of work, even his least is better than most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we said what we had to say on this album. We're going to go on to the next album. Yep. The next <coughs> album. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so we're going to let you introduce this album however you want to introduce yeah. it. So... In my top favorite 10 <laughs> album of all time, which... <laughs> so, in my top favorite album of all time, like my top 10. No genre. No genre. Just everything. It's mostly rock, jazz, or R&B, or whatever. Name us one that isn't hip-hop. Off the top of your head that 
people could say, okay, this is what the type of... That's means Head Full of Hollow. <laughs> right. That is my favorite album of all time. But in that top 10 album, there's only two rap records that made its way in. Okay. And this album that we're going to talk about is... What's the other one? What's the other one first? The other one is also on this list. Okay. Okay, wait. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Okay, so... Okay, so. so this will fall down a bit lower than the other album that we'll be talking about soon. And this album is MF Doom, Mad Lib, Mad Villain, Mad Villainy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Finally. Oh. That's right. So Go. now you know why you're here today. Oh, man. So, yeah, this album, man, like just like the college dropout, I, I can talk about this album with no context all day, just like the album is. Like, oh, so wait, go for it. So, uh, to be honest, this was my exposure to MF Doom. Prior to this, I've known about him, that he was a member of KMD back in the 90s, and he did have a lot of album art with Dr. Doom-ish cover on it. That's all I knew about him. And this album, I was turned on by a friend of mine, uh, Man, the first listen, I did not get this album. I was like, what As the hell? As most people. Yeah, like probably. I was like, what the hell am I listening to? Took me, it took me a really long time to mm -hmm. get the album yeah. and understand it. Like, I didn't understand it. Like, especially when the song Shadows of Tomorrow hit comes on. I'm like, what the hell am I listening to? <laughs> like, who is this Quasimodo person? Like, I, I don't understand what am I listening to. But one day it clicked. <clears throat> Accordion. Jesus, one of my favorite tracks of all time. <laughs> Meat Grinder. Meat Grinder. Like, this album is like watching cartoons by fragments. Very well said. This album makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but somehow, by the end of the album, you understand the ununderstandable. It is weird. <laughs> I don't get it. To this day, I tried to deconstruct this as much as I could. I wanted to know what the hell he was is talking about. I still don't understand. Yeah. And yet I still listen to it on like every other month. And I'm like, Jesus, this album, can there be any more any better album after this? It's to that point. When it comes to the lyrics, mm -hmm. the wordplay, the samples. Jesus, the samples. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, like, man, like. <laughs> the production, Mad Lib's <laughs> production. To me, this is a an, an album that you need to listen to with earphones or headphones. Yeah. yeah. This album, you need to have the utmost attention. You need to, because you, you need to soak in everything that's yeah. going on, because it's an album that's very all over the place. Yeah, it's all over the place, yes. Uh, samples. As most of my yes. Mm -hmm. uh, samples. Uh, you puts in a bunch of cartoon things. Like, at some point, I have no idea what's going on, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. but you need to very, like, it's like basically closing your eyes and just listening. Yeah. And then you get the full visual effect in this album. This is like one of the albums that influenced the old sweatshirts, the Danny Browns. Mm -hmm. Of this generation. Yes. This is where that weird 
this album kind of allowed you to be weird mm-hmm. in hip hop beyond what Outkast was doing was being weird. This album yep. was really like a staple for that. And yeah. it was also a good bridge between underground and mainstream because Doom had done other things mm-hmm. and Madlib had done other things. Mm-hmm. It was a particular album. It was an album that wasn't for everyone. Yeah. But it was in the public eye. Yeah, definitely. It kind of broke the barrier of being the underground. Yeah. But it didn't go out too much. So, like, in preparation for this, I wanted to ask you guys this question. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to be like you were for Mob Deep. I'm like that with Mad Villain. I oh, will for sure. be not hugging this album all my life. It's a great album for me. But objectively speaking, objectively speaking, right? Like, mm-hmm. take out all my biased opinions and stuff. How many people do you think that claims that they like Mad Villain actually likes Mad Villain? Like the people that like Gucci Mane and don't like Gucci Mane. 110 fucking percent. We spoke about this on another episode. Mm-hmm. This I, is the trends. These are the... I like, I like that question. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? Because the people like us three that are sitting here that listen to music for mm-hmm. what it is and we dig in and we research and... We want to know everything about certain things. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that listen to this album listen to this album because it's a cool thing to listen to. Yes. Number one. Number two. People went to this album because in... Well, this came out what? 2004. 2004? Okay. This album came out in 2004. What was being pushed in 2004? The 50 Cents. The, the G-Units. Yeah. The Kanye's. Yeah. The Jay-Z's. Game. The game, the little Wayne's at some point. Yeah. People were fed up of listening to all that. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to dig deep in the underground and find something that was out of the ordinary, that was different. What was being put in their face, kind of? Mm-hmm. Mad villain. Yeah. So it was like, you know what? I'm going to go listen to something different. Whether I understand it or not, whether I give a shit about it, mm-hmm. I need to be able to be like, Hey, what are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to 50 Cent and Kanye West. What are you listening to? Mad Villain, huh? The fuck are you listening to? Why are you listening to that for? Yeah. What is that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Who the fuck is that? Because, you get it? Yeah, because that being able to tell people that I'm listening to Mad Villain. And who the fuck is that? Getting that response from your peers was a good thing to hear at that time. Because unlike now, music was not as disposable or it wasn't quick to acquire. Mm-hmm. Like it was with in the 2000s, it was starting to get there. So like every obscure thing that you can think of that you listen to or mention was a cool thing. I noticed this because with some of my friends, I talk about music and every time I bring on, bring up Mad Villain, they all claim to like it, but yet they can't tell me what about the album that they like? You know what this album was for? If you think of it, like about what you're saying. This album was the alternative to listening to the commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. This album was for the people that were into, in the early 2000s, indie music was huge. Mm-hmm. This was the alternative for them to enjoy hip hop. And it's often those people that you speak to that aren't too familiar with hip-hop that wouldn't be able to put together a top 100 hip-hop albums list. 
that will list this as one of their staples in hip hop history. Yeah, for sure. And it was the cool thing to listen to this. I find I don't I find that the people that have this on their list or that say, "Hey, what do you want to listen to?" The Mad Villainy. They have no like. They they just say it and they just want to listen to it because it's the out of the ordinary. It's the. Yeah. Is it the kid A of hip hop? Yes. Fuck yeah. I think so. 100%. Mm-hmm. But to people like us that are sitting at this table and to people that dig into hip hop and want to know hip hop, they understand this album. They understand the brilliance For sure. of the beat making, the way Madlib put his beats together and he sampled and the loops, mm-hmm. the fucking loops, man. Like, like even <clears throat> I've listened to this album, I can confidently say more than 100 times in my life. Like, I'm not even over-exaggerating at this point. I think I'm under-exaggerating. But even to this day, when I listen to this record, especially with Mad Lib samples and the way he makes his beats, it still surprises me time to time. Like the beginning of Shadow of the Tomorrow, when it goes into that Chinese word, like, like things like that, it still surprises me because mm-hmm. you're thinking, like, after a certain song, uh, it's going to bridge into this type of song. But he'll just cut it with something ordin- like out of the world weirdness and continue on to doing it, but mm-hmm. it still makes sense, right? Yeah. And and let's not forget <coughs> MF Doom. Yeah. yeah. MC. yeah. Well, this is where he's at his peak. <laughs> and yes. And his punchlines and his weirdness and words that don't rhyme, but they rhyme. Mm-hmm. And he, he comes off as the fucking bad guy, the villain. Yeah. And what he's saying is so clever, so like you're watching the Joker talk on an album. Do you get what I'm trying to say with that? The other thing that I really like about it is uh, if you're into Doom, you'll know this. But if you're not, Doom has a bunch of monikers, right? Yeah. A lot of the featured artists on this, like Lord Quaz being Quasimodo, which is Madlib. It's they're playing with their monikers. Yeah. So they're kind of giving you like, you know what this is? It's really like, it's kind of a comic book. Yeah. Like it's it a really morning is. cartoon, like you yeah. said, but it's also kind with of commercials a comic book. with commercials. Yeah. Yeah. With commercials. Yes. And, <laughs> and they're kind of doing this thing where like, okay, um, you know, featuring Victor Vaughn mm-hmm. or feet, like you'll get the other yeah. doom characters. Yeah come on a track and mm-hmm. fee- and so so you're unless you're deep into the monikers and know that this this doom character is this and this doom character is that mm-hmm. you may not necessarily cling on to the themes and what's going on right Man, um, figaro <laughs> yeah i mean he's the only rapper who said cheetos doritos or fritos <laughs> and it just sounds so cool <laughs> um very quickly to end on this album uh, we were talking about, I think, Outcast last time we said it, and we said it on Blackstar. I asked Steve if you needed another Blackstar album, if you needed another Outcast album. I'm asking Gabu. Mm-hmm. It's been long rumored that Mad Villain would make another album. Mm-hmm. Do we need another Mad Lip album? No. Uh, Mad Villain album. No. Thank you. Unnecessary. Thank you. Love it. Now Next we're gonna album jump. on the list. <laughs> <Jump>. <laughs> if the last album wasn't intelligent <laughs> enough for you. Cameron Purple fucking Haze. <laughs> now I'm guessing you guys are giving me the... This, the, one's, this one's mine. 
It's all you, baby. <laughs> Fuck, I don't even know where to begin. Um, Cameron, to me, is top five MCs all time. Dead or Alive? Dead or Alive, top five MCs all time. Why? And I'm going to explain to you guys why. Because there is no other MC that could come off so diverse, so slick, that could write a beat as good as this guy can. Okay? Purple Haze. Okay? Purple Haze is an album. What is it? 24 tracks? 22? 23? Something like that? Okay. Each track sounds different. He channels the South. He channels the West Coast sound. He channels the New York sound. He channels the heat makers that was very in-your-face type beat. And he's able to... And he's fucking able to change his flow and ride the beat like no other at this, at this time in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, if people agree with me or not, I could not give a fuck. Cameron does not get <laughs> enough fucking credit as an MC. <clears throat> and, it's, it, and it shows to you in this album. One of my favorite, 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 probably top three hip hop verses of all time is on this song. Yeah. It's on this album, sorry. Yeah. Down and out. So am I going to go back into my rapping bag no, for this? Okay, <laughs> I have the verse, okay? So all the listeners, this is top three favorite verses all time on a song called Down and Out featuring Kanye West. Imagine he got Kanye West on a track with him. Very important, very important. Featuring Kanye West. Featuring. Yeah. Not entirely produced by. Often confused. Mm-hmm. Featuring. Go for it. I treat bitches straight up like Simon says. Open vagina, put your legs behind your head. Caught me air ones, hun, lime and red. You got pets, me too. Minds are dead, doggy. Fox minks, gators, that's necessary. Accessories, my closet's pet cemeteries. I get approached by animal activists. I live in a zoo. I write scandals with savages. All my brothers get together to gather loot. Bodyguard for what dog? i rather shoot. I go to war. Old Tim's battered boots. Hand grenades, goggles, and a parachute. Y'all don't even know the name of my flip. I was... Touch me, tease me with cases, the shit. You don't know about cases I get. Court cases, briefcases, suitcases, cases of Chris. That's it. That's all. The punchlines in this album are just next level. The wordplay is next level. The way he's clever and slick is next level. Man, the way he rhymes words together is just... It's just crazy. Wh- I'm going to ask you this question since you're bringing it up. Harlem Shake. Read the next verse. Hey, yo, dealing with some sure shit. My bitch is pure thick. Play, raise your tag. Slice your face. You're it. It's I who come by drive through gated toward Mori. Three quarters. Sky blue. Look at mommy. Eyes blue. Five two. I approached her. Hi, boo. How are you? Pony skin Louis, oh you fly too? You a stutterist, ma? Oh I fly too. 
Harlem Shake, nah, I'm in Harlem shaking awake. Shaking to bake, shaking the jakes, kill you, shoot the funeral up, and Harlem Shake at your wake. <laughs> you can't get slicker than that. The, like, the way he puts his fucking words together is just, to me, phenomenal. There's no MC that could do it that way. And all the MCs that come out, I said it on episode two with Dipset, all the MCs that come out, it's because of the way Cameron flows. Two chains. Little Wayne. Question for you. A lot of these fucking guys get their sound from, from Cameron. And a lot of them get their flows and the way they deliver their punchlines from MCs like Cameron. Does Cameron fall in the bucket of say I like it, but I don't actually like it? Uh... I think it doesn't fall in that category, but because of the style that he had, because of the way he dressed and the way, like, he had his own vocabulary. So that dragged people in. So people liked Cameron and Dipset because of that. Okay. But the, but, but but the, mu the music did come with it, though. The music did come with it. I'm saying I meant it more about how it came back as of late. Yes, for sure. Like, it kind of falls in that Gucci Mane mm -hmm. category. For right? sure. For sure. I find. But a lot of people need to pay attention because he started a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and you spoke about something to me that's really funny about the album cover so okay <laughs> prior to talking about the album cover so really i nice knew button. of cameron's existence he is undeniable figure in the hip-hop mm -hmm. music right um so when i received the list of the albums that we're talking about today i saw this album Prior to that list, I had no idea of this existence. <laughs> of this of this album? Or? Of this album. I had no idea. Really? Zero. Okay. For real? Zero. Well, I you know Cam Cameron but, was. But according to the album that we talked about prior to this, you kind of understand where my music focus was more towards. It mm -hmm. was more in the indie sound, right? Yeah. So for me, this completely went under the radar. So I got the list from you guys. I'm like, cool, I should listen to this. So I go online, I go on YouTube, I type Cameron Purple Haze. <laughs> and not th there was no music video, there was nothing. It was just the album cover with a bunch of tracks. And I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, wait, this album came out in what, 2004? But why does the album cover look like a... Mixtape? Mix not mixtape, like it looks like someone... Like a five-year-old made this album cover. It kind of follows <laughs> that trend of the Cash Money albums. Yeah. Like, so I was like, okay, you know, never judge a book by its cover. I'll listen to it. But man, this is a long fucking album. Oh, Jesus. It took me two days to listen to this album. <laughs> it's a moody album. Yeah. But I have to say, if I were to have found this album back when it came out, I think I would have enjoyed more than i did now there are songs that's on a slower side and kill a cam that song too like there's some songs that i was like okay that's pretty good stuff but for me though the voice it's like a lullaby man every time i turn on this thing i just fall asleep it's because he writes the his voice writes the beat so well like, it, like, it, it, it's perfect yeah. for the beat yeah like legit yesterday i was on the bus going home and i was standing and I fell asleep. <laughs> Not because the music was bad. It's just the, his, there's something about his voice. Like, it just makes me fall asleep. 
I'll probably get <laughs> laughed at, looked at, <laughs> questioned about him being in my top five favorite MCs no, of all time. No, I don't think so. No, because when I did listen to the album, like the thing that I didn't like was the length, first of all. And second of all, it was the content of mm. the songs. But when it came to his rhyming scheme and his wordplay, I thought it was great. Like, the punchlines are good. Yeah. He's like one of those few rappers that could like, he could insult you and 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 get you to laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I at the same time. Yeah, like content, he's great. Like I thought he was good, but just musically, just just nothing there for me. This is one of the things is that I love this this Purple Haze album, and I think Cameron's the only Dipset artist that put out music that lasts that that aged. Um, as we said when we spoke about Diplomats, I don't find the production aged mm. on this type of 2000s album either. We have Just Blaze, Kanye West, Heat Makers. This album is very 2000. Dipset Forever <laughs> produced by Kanye West. And you hear that, not that college dropout sound, but that early Kanye West yeah. blueprinty type of sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's just very much a product of its time, though. The dope very. man, where they channel EZ, yeah, NWA's beat, and he brings it to something more New York sounding, more two thousand sounding. To me, amazes me, and the samples where they go get these samples of TV shows, they go get these samples of different areas of stuff just it it, it, it flashes to me it's, mm-hmm. so, it's something of brilliance where you could just look the way i see it is that there's not a lot of mcs that could rap on beats like that mm-hmm. or could rap and, I could agree on that. and, and I, sound I, so I good on a track that sounds like that you know what i mean like i don't see a bunch of artists doing yeah because one one cool thing about this album for me was there are a lot of softer sounding beat tracks to a very hard-hitting tracks and he pulls it off you know I'll, I'll give him that i'll give him the credit but like steve said it's a product of its time though yeah it lives very much in, in the, the 2000s, 2000s. Yeah. and at, i don't think a lot of people that listen to hip-hop today mm-hmm. and the, the sound of hip-hop would be able to listen to this album that's why i think people yeah. say they like him but don't actually like but him, yeah, yeah. They need to understand that this sound and this type of emceeing mm-hmm. started a lot of things. Right. Yeah. It started the Little Wayne's. I, I could have, I, I see, I, I see heard that. that. It made I the Little Wayne's that. cool. It made the Little Wayne's mm-hmm. be like, oh, wow, Little Wayne could do this. Where, where, where did Little Wayne get this from? Why is he doing this? From who does Little Wayne listen to for him to sound like that? Do you know what I mean? A lot of MCs and the Kanye West too. Yeah. So on that note, I think uh, you mentioned Kanye West and his production on the album. The next album that we're talking about was, uh, I would say, almost exclusively produced by Kanye. For the most part, mm-hmm. Commons B. Yeah. Uh, the best Common album. May 2005, a bit of a comeback album for him because Electric Circus was so poorly received. People mm-hmm. destroyed it. And it came after Resurrection. Um, One Day It All Makes Sense. And like Water for Chocolate, which yeah. was pretty much a, like which at that point between those three albums, he was pretty much 
looked at as a top tier MC. Yeah, untouchable at the time. Yes. Electric Circuit comes out and he kind of touches on new sounds mm -hmm. before it's accepted and it doesn't go very well. Yeah. Unfortunately, not a terrible album, but not not one you need to go back to. B is pretty much the common album if you need one. Mm -hmm. um, Look at before B and who was producing his albums too. DJ Premier. No ID. Uh, Jay Dilla. Pete Rock. Yeah. All those soulful, all those very boom bappy type beats. And then he changed the sound drastically with Electric Circus. Mm -hmm. And then got brought back to life by Kanye West. And this album is also the fact... Because a lot of the albums that came out in the 2000s was very, very, very lengthy. Yep. Crazy lengthy. And yep. for some albums, it definitely works. But for most, if you don't have the attention span of listening to a 60 minutes plus albums, it's hard to stomach some of them. And B is one of those albums that was very successful by doing something different, which is cutting the time, cutting the length of the album. It just closes off shy of 45 minutes. But man, I don't have much to say about this album except for the fact that when I listen to this album, it has nothing to do with the content of the album, but I very much picture Chicago when I listen to this album. I like album. that, yeah. Wow. I totally see that, yeah. Good point. Yeah, I don't know why. I listen to this album and I feel like I'm there. Yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, I, very, I could very much see that. Um, the positivity in Chicago as well. Well, there is a bit of a there there is a bit of a focus on um injustice as most common albums mm -hmm. uh bring forward. But I think the Chicago sound comes mainly from the Kanye West production, the John Legend feature. Uh it's it, yeah, it's very Chicago. I mean, there's there there's no other way to put it. Um the opening track. Oh, God, that bass line. Does it remind you of another album? <laughs> Does it remind you of a classic album, the way it kicks off? Yes, but I can't put a finger on it. I, I heard that this week when I was listening to it. Me Excursions. Mm. Oh. Which one? Excursions. Oh. Yep. Right. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> there's a kick. There's, there's just that. It kind of starts up setting mm -hmm. you up for... The body of work that follows. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's if it's there to pay tribute to mm -hmm. excursions necessarily, but it kind of, uh, of course, with the history that this album has and how great of an album it actually is, it may not be a nod to excursions, but yeah. I'll gladly say that I see it as one. Yeah, I completely agree because yeah. every time I hum the intro to B to and hum the I intro to excursions it somehow morphs into one thing and i very much agree with that mm -hmm. something i really like about this album is it sounds very live like they mm. recorded it live with a live band and the live instruments and i know on the album yeah. there is that live song from the Chappelle show yeah so they really went Ooh. different they really they, they really went different with this album and kanye west mm -hmm. had his sound to it but channeled a different sound mm -hmm. as well. He 
he took Common and he's like, let's make this together. Let's channel your sound, but let's put my sound with it mm-hmm. and let's do something different. And that's what really stands out mm-hmm. in this album. And again, the length, like you said, Common's ability to flow with the tracks and to flow with Kanye West. It's like Kanye West was like that, that savior for sound for these guys. There's a very, uh, something that people don't look at about this album. Well, I mean, most of the people that care for this label and this group or whatever you want to call it, this click or posse, click is the right word after the song they made, but this is the first album that's branded good music, I think. Yeah, mm, yeah. Y- you're right with that. Before a Kanye album, even. Yeah. He, he, p- he put Common on his back and said, let's do something. And let's, he, let, let's he take off something. Common. Yeah. yeah. So you get this guy that produces for Kanye, makes like he his dream comes true, produces for Kanye, works a bit with Cam, and now goes to his hometown and picks up the guys that maybe fell off. Mm-hmm. But, but look how crazy that is where his sound touches older MCs. Jay-Z, Common, Cameron. People saw the work that this mm-hmm. guy put into his stuff. It, to me, that's genius. That's brilliant. That's what an artist is. Yep. But we have to talk about something before we move on, which is John Mayer, man. He's a cool cat. <laughs> <laughs> Making an appearance in Common's album. Let's I think it was, it. I don't know if it was, a, I know it's credited as a feature, but I He's think it's a sample. He's a backing vocals yeah. in Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I don't, I don't know if they, f- if it's featured or if they just took the acapella. Maybe. The uh, it's just I saw John Mayer's name. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, damn, yeah. you're a cool guy, man. <laughs> uh, production Kanye, I guess we could pretty much say was at the top mm-hmm. of the production in the 2000s. This next album, man. People's people tout this as this man as your favorite producer's favorite producer. I forgot who said it. I think it was Dr. Dre. It was quoted somewhere, and I thought that was pretty interesting, and I think it's true. Uh, going back when we were talking about Mad Villain, not a lot of hip-hop record is in my top 10 of all time. <laughs> this is in my top three of all time. And this is Jay Dilla, JD Donuts. Kind of interesting to see this album on the list because really? it's first of all an instrumental album so you know who put it there <laughs> did i put it there <laughs> steve put it there <laughs> steve one not steve two yeah okay. steve one did <laughs> so yeah um i i i, I attach to this album a lot because um in hip-hop especially it's often the mc that gets the highlight when we did duos we were very clear on saying that some of the duos are of two MCs and some of the duos are of producer MC, mm-hmm. you know, and having this Dill album on there, Dilla's worked uh, of the albums that are almost entirely produced by Dilla. You get some Roots albums, you get some Farsight albums, mm-hmm. but even in that, there's nothing that really stands out to me as as um, bodies of work that are as focused, as intense as. That embody Jay Dilla as much as Donut says. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of history to this album. First of all, if you thought Bowie was genius for releasing the, the album a couple days prior to his death, yeah. it was genius. Well, definitely, yes. But Dilla also did that. Mm-hmm. 
this album was recorded entirely from a hospital bed. Yeah. Um, the main focus before he died was to get this album out. Mm-hmm. And look, if you want to name some of the tracks, I think the track list in and of itself um, will tell you what this album is going to do. It's going to start at the end and loop back in mm-hmm. to the beginning of the album with the very last track. Mm-hmm. But if you look at this track list, there's two things that stand out for me. The first thing is the track One for Ghost, okay. which is pretty much Dilla putting a beat out there for Ghost to go get. Yeah. Ghostface Killer then uses that track uh, with me with a strap off Fish Scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on Fish Scale. There's another track too that he uses off this on Fish Scale. But the other song that I find, uh, and, it, and this song really does give me, or maybe not anymore because I'm used to it now, but gave me goosebumps at some point. Last Donut of the Night. Mm. And then into the outro that ties back to the beginning. Of course, the donut being the circle, coming full circle. Um, Last Donut of the Night really is a good buy. Yeah, it really... uh, And done through sampling. Yeah. This album is very bittersweet for me because... He did have a lot of posthumous releases after this. The Rough Draft, a whole bunch. I can't even name how many. The Shining. The, the Shining. Uh, Jail of Japan. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, this album is bittersweet because it is the last thing he put out while he's alive. Yeah. And second of all, also, the amount of beats that this guy managed to make that's so good that never got the praise while it was released. Because I did a bit of a history check on this album. When it first came out, it was critically acclaimed, but it was still very much yeah. like, oh, it's just another DJ album by Yeah, nobody producer. wanted to put it out because nobody was going to yeah. sell so much of this yeah. instrumental hip-hop yeah. album. And the moment he passes away yeah people are all over this album that this is one of the greatest albums to ever come out and people changes their opinions of their original score because of the circumstances that followed you know and it's kind of bittersweet for me you know i love i appreciate the fact that he's finally getting the recognition that he deserves but at the same time where was that when he was alive i just want to say though going back to my bowie comment mm-hmm. This is exactly what Bowie did. Mm-hmm. Because Bowie released Black Star on January 8th, his birthday. Yeah. And Dilla did this on February 7th, his birthday. Yeah. And died through. So. Hmm. It's very dark. <laughs> so no, no, it's very dark. But I just mean <laughs> to say, like, I, I made the reference to Bowie without even thinking, like, sh- yeah. like there's even that birthday factor mm-hmm. three days prior to the death yeah. or two days prior to the death that, that, wasn't recycled by Bowie, but that was used by Bowie, and mm-hmm. people gave him, look, you know where I stand on Bowie, but people who don't know this album think Bowie did it first. Yeah, it's because hip-hop will, no matter how big hip-hop, 
the genre is now will always, always continue to be pigeonholed somehow. And that's an unavoidable fact. Yeah. Peanut Butter Wolf, executive produced this. Mm -hmm. The um, It's a very important name in hip-hop that yeah. people don't... Have zero idea about. Exactly. Yeah. He is Fuck. pretty much the starter of Stone's Throw yep. Records. Uh, executive produced Donuts. Executive produced Mad Villainy. Mm -hmm. If you don't know Stone's Throw Records and you like the weird stuff, you like more like weird hip-hop, mm -hmm. uh, this vinyl weighs a ton. Great documentary. documentary on Peter oh, right. Wolf and Stone's yeah. Throw. You get to hear about Donuts and the impact mm -hmm. it had. You get to hear about Mad Villainy. The downfall. The downfall, the downfall yes. too. That that was crazy. Oh, yeah. So, Stone's Throw Records, if you don't know Stone's Throw. Uh, Check it out, man. Yeah. Check it out. You guys said amazing, amazing points. I don't even want to talk for this album because you guys just really touched deeply on it. The only opinion I'm going to say for this album for me is the production on this album is incredible. Mm. The way he puts his beats together, the sampling, you guys said all that shit. I'm not going to repeat it. It's so well chopped. It's so well put together. The only thing for me is I would have loved for this to have an MC on it or different MCs on the song. Like I his know. Later work, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like his later work, because I'm a huge fan of Welcome to Detroit. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. That fucking album is just incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love rough draft i love the shining because there's mcs mm -hmm. that like it's a two disc album so th there's the instrumental and then there's the ones with the mcs yeah, 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 yeah. and the jaylib album too oh yeah wow. you get you get you get that fucking jay dilla as a rapper yeah. as an and mc and yeah. madlib and not as quasimodo yeah so yeah. it's, it's full bodies of work. So to me, the only problem with this is I wish I had MCs on it because mm -hmm. I love hearing MCs on these type of beats because yeah. the beats are so well yeah. done. Look at my favorite producers, DJ Premier, Pete Rock, Jay Dilla's in there. Mm -hmm. But those guys had so many MCs on them that made their, their beats shine way more than yeah. what they were. Mm -hmm. And I find on an album like this, if you had those MCs, and I'm not taking away from Jay Dilla's work, this album would be probably greater than it, it already is, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. agree. I completely agree with that. If you don't know Stone's Throw Records, uh, the trio of albums to check out are Mad Villainy by, Ma my, by Mad Villain, which is Mad Lib MF Doom, Donuts by Jay Dilla, mm -hmm. and check out Champion Sound, which is yeah. Jay Dilla and Mad Lib, Jay Lib. producing beats, uh, under the name Jalib, yeah, and each of them are spitting on the opposite beats. Mm -hmm. Fucking, so it's nuts. It's crazy. And that uh, too, you get the instrumental bonus disc if you yeah. don't care for the, the the rapping. And the rapping is not to be taken like it's to be taken lightly. It's very um, comedic and laid back. So these these guys did incredible work, man. Stones throw like the full discography, all the MCs, all the producers. These guys really did something different for hip hop in the two thousands and even in the nineties. Yeah, a big, a big, uh, a big contribution to the underground hip hop scene by those yeah. guys. They did it differently. Yeah, they did it differently. So we have our <coughs> our last album on the list, and this is a good one to end on. I think. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> June tenth, two thousand eight. Apparently, 
The world is about to end. Yeah. We're in high school. Gabu, I have no fucking idea what age you are. <laughs> I, was, I was not in high school. For you this. weren't? No, I, I was, was. Oh, yeah, it's true. You just had started college, or second year? This was uh, wrapping up. We were going on to the first summer of college. I, uh, I was in the early 20s. I was. Mid 20s, mid 20s. I was in high school, unfortunately, because I had to fail twice. <laughs> <laughs> Little Wayne, the Carter Three. <laughs> so we're gonna start off this by me <laughs> giving my apologies, my deepest apologies to Dwayne Carter, Little Wayne, for I would say what? How many years, Steve? Almost. I would say maybe almost ten, almost almost 10, ten years. Almost, yeah. almost ten years of not wanting to listen to this album, to not giving a fuck, to putting this album and this MC down to the gutter. And the reason being was because, first off, I was a huge fan of Lil Wayne and Birdman album. Okay, like what was the album like called? Son. Like Father, Like Son. I remember this came out when I was in high school. I used to hang out with my friends in my friend's mom's red Jeep, listening to that album, Like Father, Like Son, day and night, going over tracks over and over and over again. Loving that, that album that didn't make it this list, that almost made our list, but loving that album so, so much that I was like, man, Lil Wayne and Birdman, they're my MCs, they're my artists. I love these guys. And then all of a sudden, it just went south. Reason why it was going south is because people were regarding Lil Wayne, were putting Lil Wayne to the next level. They were putting him as one of the greatest things to ever come out in the history of hip hop. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> the Carter Three being put in, put up as the best album ever created in mankind even not not even that like people were saying lil wayne was a better one of the greatest mc when this album dropped and the people that were saying that were people that didn't know his background Mm -hmm. didn't know anything about hip-hop yeah the people that were listening to this album in my high school were people that would listen to club music Mm -hmm. tiesto uh, those type of that type of sound, yeah, and we're coming out and saying that this guy was. No one's listening to this. Say it. Do you fools listen to music, or do you just skim through it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what those were the people that were listening to this. So for me, somebody that loved hip hop and loved music <laughs> was like, "Fuck this! These people that don't listen to hip hop have no idea what they're talking about. Fuck them." Okay, and the songs that were being thrown at me were lollipop. Yeah, so the the the, the lead single for this was a pop song. Yeah. It, it was made to get this out to get Wayne on the radio for the first time because Carter Two didn't do that whatsoever. Well, Fireman kind of. Yeah, but not on not on pop radio. You weren't able to turn on the radio and get it on your top forty. Yeah. This finally was you, you know you hear of this Wayne guy, Izzo made the top forty. Yeah, 50 made the top 40, but this Wayne guy didn't. Yeah. 
So in the 2000 and Kanye had made the top 40 by now because you had uh, you had uh, the late registration out and you had graduation that just came out with stronger. They needed a top 40 for this era. But they were being this guy was being pushed based on that song, but nobody were knew the background. You're right. Nobody knew yeah. that this yeah. guy was a fucking solid MC and came from the south. Didn't sound like he was from the south all the time, but could spit incredible bars and have amazing punchlines so me as a listener and me as somebody who loved little wayne and birdman album i was just like fuck this i'm not taking any of this shit i'm not gonna let some fucking stupid kid that listens to tiesto tell me that this guy is the greatest fucking rapper of all time <laughs> when i know more than him I'm, I, look i'm just being honest right now yeah. okay i'm just being yeah, honest yeah, and we yeah, knew yeah. the type of idiots that we were going to school with that were saying things like this so I would be mad when people were talking about but, this. But I was putting this to the side. I would go to the clubs and I would say, fuck this. When this song comes on, I'm not dancing. I'm <laughs> going to the bathroom. Fuck this guy. This guy doesn't know this about hip hop. This, I, I was being like that. Sorry, yeah. Gabu. I was being like that and it would bother me that people were putting this album to a pedestal. So I said, fuck Lil Wayne. Fuck the Carter 3. I'm never listening to this bullshit. Yeah. I agree because when this album dropped... Prior to this album, I did not know who Lil Wayne was. Right. Like, I'm not even lying here. I did not know who this guy was. And all of a sudden, he was everywhere. And yes, but a lot But you did of, know who he was. Actually, I didn't. But you heard him on Barry Bonds. On right. Graduation. But for you me, heard him. it was one of those tracks that whenever Lil Wayne kicked in in Barry Bonds, I would just skip over that. Really? Like, I didn't care for it at all. I know but, people that would say that's his best verse. Now I can say that, Relax. but at that time, That's, I think Sean said that one. Relax. At that time, <laughs> like I think it's a dope verse, but at that time I didn't care for who this guy was. I just knew he was featured, but I was like, whatever. But the people that were saying that he was the greatest MC was not just your classmates or your friends. Mm -hmm. It was also mentioned in various media outlet. Yep. That's what bothered me the most. Yep. That's true. Like, who is this guy? As much as I'm not a big fan of Pac or Biggie, you have to give credit where it's due. Like, there's rappers like Big Daddy Kane, Jay-Z, Nas, like, all these cats. Rakim. Rakim. Yeah. But this is the thing, though, and, and I said it when we spoke about the Carter too, is that Wayne was one of those artists that took chances at later points in his career mm. after the Carter three. So Carter one was good. Carter 2 was a level above. Carter 3, we are now agreeing, is a level above Carter 2? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Fuck. I think it's his best album. But Here even what he did after, he made mm -hmm. a rock album that stuck. He made a <laughs> wait, pop wait, album. Wait, wait, wait. Can I, can I just <laughs> stop you? People were saying that the fucking rock album was but, amazing. Okay, but see, this Death is the thing. Human beings. When the Carter 5 came out in, in 2018, people stopped and said... We're gonna turn. We're gonna turn this on. So no matter what steps he's taken after, no matter what mistakes he's made in mm. his career that have hurt him, that people have criticized him, when he's gonna drop another album, people are gonna go back to the Carter two and three and say he once did this. Mm -hmm. What if it's on that level? Right. And nobody does that to anybody mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Because if when when Ye came out and people saw twenty three minutes, mm -hmm. next. Yeah. If he put out a 23-minute album, Everybody people would say, what? Yeah, what if? What did he do? 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's I, this I kind of there's there's <clears throat> that's why I think you could put him in that category. I don't think he is mm-hmm. a, a biggie or a, a no, or a, you know, no. but no matter what he does, people are going to say, "Wait a sec." There might be this Carter three, Carter two factor to this. Let's see. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, everybody's waiting for it, right? Like I remember when Carter five dropped last year. Yeah. Everybody was talking. This is going to be better than Carter three. Yeah. Or is it going? It's going to be on par with Carter three. That's all I heard. Yeah. Nothing about this is going to be a double album, or this album has been in the vault for the longest time. I mean, they kind of mentioned it, but they kind of. Yeah blew past it but it always came back to is this better or on the same level as Carter 3 Carter and you 3. said something good about it being in the vault because while it was in the vault he was mm-hmm. putting out other material exactly, that yeah. was not good mm-hmm. but still people still there you go people said you know when yeah. this one comes out it'll be yeah. the one and even when it came out okay it was well received it mm-hmm. was well liked not to this level yeah. but people said okay he still got it in him yeah. so when the next one comes out we're going to run back to it. Like, he gets so much resets in his yeah. career. And it's almost unfair yeah. to a lot of the rappers out there. Yeah. You know, like, where's the reset for Ja Rule? He was good. <laughs> <laughs> he had some hot shit. 50 Cent, 50 Cent killed that fucking man's career. Yeah. Next. You know, but like... See, 50 Cent didn't <clears throat> get a reset. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 50 Cent, as much as I shit on him, he deserves a reset. But somehow, this guy yeah. gets reset every time. Mm-hmm. I thought after the rock album, his career was over. People said that rock album was amazing. You're fucking deaf. It was horrible. It was, it like, was really a bad I, record. Like, how is he getting away with all this? You mentioned something, Steve, <coughs> again and again in this episode. Uh-huh. The Jay-Z line. Do you listen to music? Uh, do you just skim through, yeah. The people that were listening to this are not going to tell me that Mr. Carter... Oh, yes. Dr. Carter. Mr. Carter. Uh, people that skim through this album have no... Let the beat build. God damn fucking idea what You Ain't Got Nothing featuring Joel Santana and Fabulous. They have no fucking idea. But you know what, man? For the first time, we could say that the people skimming through this album and listening to A Millie and Got Money and Mrs. Officer... Those tracks are still banging. <laughs> They're banging, but but the people that are listening, the people that listen to this and said that this were the best, are not even listening to Little Wayne anymore, and this album doesn't even exist to them anymore because it was also a yeah. cool thing to listen yeah. to this album. But this oh, is a, definitely hundred yeah, percent agree. With but that. I also think that this is the album. So I told you guys in previous episodes, Outcast was the true intro to hip hop that I've ever had, mm-hmm. and that. At late registration, I went back to College Dropout because that was the album I started with. For a long time, the only hip-hop I would listen to was Kanye, Outkast. Mm-hmm. When this came out, and I put it on and listened to it in full because I'm not a fool that just skims through it. Losers. I, I kind of come to the term and say, like, shit. Like, I got to hear the Jeezys now. I got to mm. hear the T.I.'s. I got to go hear all this stuff that people were, that I was avoiding because of who listened to it. Yeah. And for the first time realizing I was wrong. Yeah. But we're adults now. But this album did this. And this is why it's so important in this 2000s is that going into the 2010s, this was in 2008, 
going into the, the the 2010s, this opened the world to people. Oh yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, this album also had a lot of fan base that loved it, but state that they hated it. Or they didn't want to listen to it, but they loved it. So I was in that demographic, right? When this album dropped, I was like, okay, maybe this guy has something. Then I listened to Amelie. Mm-hmm. And the moment I hear the line tougher than Nigerian hair, I was like, fuck this guy. Turn it off. I'm never listening to this guy ever again. But there was something about that beat in that Amelie song that I was like, it's actually quite interesting. But I can't admit it to people. As a person who listens to a lot of different kinds of music, I just couldn't admit it to the people, right? So it just kind of let the time slip by. I was like, fuck Lil Wayne, fuck Del Carter 3, fuck this guy, I ain't listening to it. But then just a couple of these a couple of years ago, like maybe 2015 or so, or 2014, I remember I, I, w- I went to HMV while Steve One was working, and we are talking about Lil Wayne. You know, I've never been Steve One, by the way. I, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me, I remember this conversation very well. He was like, listen to the Carter 3. It's pretty good. And I was get the fuck out of here, man. Carter 3. Like, get the fuck out of here. But he's like, come on, man, you, you got to listen to it. And I remember it was on sale. It was like two for 20 or three for 10, whatever the fuck it was. So I was like, fuck it, I'll buy it. Mm. I went home. Damn, this album, got to say, man, I think this is the last, one of the very last albums that came out in the 2000s that matters. And another great point to bring up is that the Carter 2 comes out in 05. Mm-hmm. Within the span of three years, you get... His dedication mixtapes, which are very well received. And well executed, and his emceeing ability on that is fucking next fucking level. Like Father Like Son, the album you spoke about with Birdman. The Drought 3, which is arguably his best mixtape. And then, the leak. The Carter 3 leak comes out, Mm -hmm. where he puts out like five tracks that are just kind of... Yeah, they leaked uh, some DJ or some shit leaked those songs. But could we probably say that... Between studio albums, I have never heard a rapper in the history and on this list, if you want to go through this list album by album, there has never been a rapper that changed so much between studio albums. Yeah. On this list for the 2000s? No, no, on this, to- on this 100. You know what? In hip hop in general, between Carter 2 and Carter 3, he evolved and changed so much. His rapping style is no longer the same. The Carter Three is the birth of Lil Wayne as we know him. Yep. And the, the it, it's just such a drastic change between mm-hmm. albums. Um, you get two. You get two classics: one commercial, one more rap oriented. But like, it could be from two different artists. It could be from two different eras. Yeah. Look at the production on it: Alchemist, Swiss Beats. Alchemist. David Banner. <laughs> the production value is next level too. Yeah. Like Swizzy it's again. crazy. Kanye West again. Yep. Cool and Dre. Mm-hmm. And I and for eight, seven, eight, nine years, I don't even remember. I probably went back to this 
or went to it for the first time, sorry, in 2016, 2017. Yeah. And I apologize for real because I wasted a lot of my time because I was I was fucking worried for some odd reason. But so now let's like like this album. I love this album. I love this album. I'm gonna say this much to you, and this is how I think we should end this episode. You can make a case for it if you want. But now, how many rappers have I told you that you needed to get into? Of this caliber, of this kind of level. Oh, for sure. You pushed me to, to towards this because of the fact that I didn't want to because I was scared or I didn't want to be like the rest of the yeah. fucking human beings. Well, like, you did this with Wayne. You did this with... I don't remember. You did them. this with Kanye and Jay. Yeah, because the commercial and yeah. the, the, the beefs and stuff like that. I'm going to say this much. And now, I truly think he's fallen off. But I think you're doing this with Drake albums too. No, oh, fuck that guy. Anyways, uh, hold on a second. If you're reading this, <laughs> I think you'll like that. No, <laughs> I'm, I try. I, I don't like cheesy music. Just but scroll down the <laughs> list real quick. Just scroll down the fucking list. I don't like cheesy music. Um, to me, where you can change up everything on a song throughout the album is brilliant, like he does on this album. He, he's, he's very diverse and he attacks everybody. Commercial, radio, hip hop heads. He has songs for everyone. He has songs for the ladies. He has songs for everyone on this fucking album. Yeah, yeah. Where on Carter 2, he was really rapping his ass off. Mm -hmm. Where on to this album, he's diverse. He has songs for every demographic. This was one of the albums that I listened to from the list where I did not mind the length one bit. Yeah, coming sure. in at 77. Yeah. 77 minutes. It didn't not feel like it was over an hour. He He's emotional, on, like crazy yeah. on this album, like too. He like, if you go down, like, you go 3 Pete, Mr. Carter, Amelie, Got Money, it's hard, 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 and it goes to Tie My Hands, featuring Robin Thicke. My favorite song on Robin the album. Robin Thicke yeah. and Wayne Fuck. work really well together. Dude, that is my favorite song on the album. I... I have to go with... Like, the songs that come after, too, like, Mrs. Officer, Let the Beat Be... Like... It transitions so well. Like, this album definitely does not feel like 77 minutes. No, it, it, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you take out Lollipop. Well, Lollipop is arguably the least interesting track on the album. Yeah, I don't think there's but any even then, that. Even then, it fits. It fits. With the it album. fits really well. But it's yeah. the least, like, like, I don't like it. <coughs> no. I would never listen to it as a song, but if I'm listening to the album and it goes to Lollipop, yes. I wouldn't mind. Agreed. No, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't skip it. But look at Lala with Briscoe and Busta Rhymes. And then Playing With Fire, You Ain't Got Nothing. That song, man, is fucking... He took two of the hottest MCs at that point. Yeah. Joel's and Fabulous had probably fallen off a little yeah. bit since they're but, trying to come back but they were very hot MCs in the 2000s yeah that, very yeah. And, and they showed it in the he, song he was supposed yeah. to come out with a mixtape with Joel Santana uh -huh. I Can't Feel My Face and he worked on certain things with Fabulous and then the album just ends off Don't Get It a song for New Orleans do you notice what the outro does though and Don't Forget It it kind of does that last call outro from College Dropout mm -hmm. where it's just the just the 
never-ending monologue, right? Yeah, but it works. Yeah, no, 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 (laughs) it works, it works. This album, I have to also apologize to this man because I hated (laughs) on it for so long. But Jesus, man, eight years if, now. even if you can't put out anything as close to this, I'm just happy he managed to do so with at least one of them. <laughs> I get it. I really get it. This album is great. Yeah. yeah. But I just wish that... That people should have more open mind. And, we, and we should have paid more attention to just the body of work rather than the singles or but, yeah. rather than what he was yeah. doing. Do you but know what I, I mean? I feel like... Us getting into him later makes better sense, though. We're adults. We, we, we understand things more. Because I think because we had time to let it sit, let it die down and listen to it, yeah. I think we got the appreciation more. I can see that, yeah. I Well, this see, the, 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 the Carter Three thing was, as I said, this was the album that put me into it. Me too. <laughs> so it just took mean, a while. <laughs> no, man, it, it was on release with me for this one because I just I was like, you know what, I gotta see, and it happened with Take Care too, because Take Care came out and it was praised, and I'm like, let me just see if it's something I don't get, mm-hmm. and Take Care uh, it hit the spot, like this did when it came out. Really, really apologize to Lola Wayne. Thank sorry, you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Gabu, it was a pleasure having you here. It was a lot of fun. Fuck we, yeah. Uh, we <laughs> have to do this. Yeah. Uh, we Let's go through the At the end of first. every episode. But first we go through them again. Uh, Marshall Mathers LP in 2000. Stankonia in 2000 from Outcast. Then we had Jay-Z's Blueprint 2001. Mm-hmm. After Jay-Z's Blueprint 2001, we had... Fuck, I don't remember. What is it? I always forget. Oh, yes. It is 50 Cent, Get Richard Die Trying. Kanye West, The College Dropout, uh, Mad Villainy by Madlib. Cameron, Purple Haze. That's right. Um, B by Common. Very good. Uh, Jesus, what's after B? <laughs> J. Della Donuts. J. Della Donuts. And uh, last but certainly not least. L- Little Wayne, Wayne Carter, Carter 3. Gabu, your favorite on the list. Uh, and why? J. Della Donuts. Oh. Oh. <laughs> really? Okay. You yeah. fucking made... Wait, well, he said top three. He said top three. It's top two of all time. We made you uh, come on this because you did not <laughs> stop busting balls about Mad Villain and hey, pickles Jay Dilla Donuts. Hey, it's your Fuck. fault. It's your fault for putting Jay Dilla Donuts and Mad Villain in the same top ten. <laughs> come on. Okay, good. Okay, pick, good. Pick. Okay, why? Tell us a bit more why. <sighs> it's a complete album for me, man. Uh, everything that I want to feel emotionally or whatever, it just does it for me. Like, I have bought that album about seven times in my life. <laughs> I can never tell when the album ends and where it begins. <laughs> it just goes yeah. on a loop for me, and I end up listening to it like six times in a row. Hmm. It's just, yeah. Um, you want to go next? No, I'll let you have this one. Uh, I knew you were going to pick either Jay Dilla or Mad Villain. And the way we do it is what you pick, I can't pick. Mm-hmm. So I'm going Mad Villain. Uh... There was just something this time around going back and doing the list as uh, as a grown man. I felt <laughs> like I, f- I could finally hear this album and feel like um, there were there were points of it that I didn't there were there were listens of it that I didn't know what was going on and I was entirely happy not knowing what was going on. There was mm-hmm. times that I was listening to it and, and a little more focused and, and understanding it a bit more. But it also was one of the albums that made me realize that 
maybe the Stankonias on this list or the College Dropouts on this list are great albums, mm-hmm. but there's this deepness to Mad Villain, uh, Mad Villain's Mad Villainy that we never ever hear again on any hip hop album ever, mm-hmm. and it's it's really its own album, complete. Uh, it, it, it's really more of a legacy than it is anything yeah. else. And like you said, I don't ever want another Mad mm-hmm. Villain album. Yeah. I'm totally happy with the way it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Your turn, baby. It's fucking hard. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. It's really hard to pick an album. I would say I have three top ones, but I can't give you three of oh, them. Oh, and just to say this, when we did this list... And I looked at the 10. I said, I'm not even asking myself this blueprint. It's true. Oh, wow. Yeah. Going back <coughs> to this, this was the, this, of all our episodes that we did, this mm-hmm. was the hardest list to pick from. Or yeah. this was the list that changed, that my opinion changed so much on. Because I, yeah. I was like, blueprint, it's not even a question. And then I said, oh, maybe Sanconia. Oh, maybe College Dropout. And then it was, at the very end, it was between Donuts and yeah. Mad Villain. So I'm going to pick. Cameron, Purple Haze. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, why? Because of this right here. I will not hide. Hi, Ma. Hot thighs. Dick on her nose. Now she's cockeyed. Next week's <laughs> episode is... Uh, obviously, we're continuing the decades. And next week's episode is where you get to um, finally see... The 2010 albums that we picked to make our top 100. Because in hip-hop, it's so common to respect the classics and not stem out into um, more recent albums until they've done their time. Or, uh, or Hip-hop is very much based on respecting the classics. Next, uh, next week, we're doing the 2010s, so you get to see or you get to really decide if we m- did a good job on this. Did we leave things off the list that shouldn't have been left off? Uh, did we do justice to the newer albums by pushing some of the older stuff off? I guess you're the listener. You decide. The the 2010s is fucking important. They're very important. Very. And they're also where you're going to get to see Steve and I go. Uh, you're going to get to learn a bit more about our... Well, I think you did throughout 10 episodes, but of our recent tastes in hip-hop. What yeah. trends have been hitting us harder as of the last little while? And 2000s was very exciting for me because of it was it was growing up. It was high school. It was all that stuff put together. It made me who I am. It made me like a genre for what it is. And the 2010s really pushed me towards different sounds, mm-hmm. uh, different MCs, growing up liking different things. And I find that the 2010s is not held high enough like the other eras like the 80s like the 90s like the 2000s yeah it is so saturated now so it's so important (coughs) that we finish off the list with 2010s to highlight Mm -hmm. these albums and i'm going to tell you guys one thing a lot of these albums to me are top 10 yeah but thanks again Thank you, man. It was, really it was a <laughs> fucking was pleasure. Really this was amazing. Thank you so much. We're going to have to do something so again soon like this. It yeah. was uh, really good. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, check in with us next week. It is a season finale. 
Dun, 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 dun. Thank you so much for dun, the support. Thank you guys. You guys one. have been amazing. Yep. Take care. See Peace. you next week.